Chairman Mao. Uh, Chairman Mao, excuse me. What is it, boy? Chairman Mao, it's about Hong Kong. Mr. Zhang, you are fully aware that on Thursdays I drink a 1.25 liter bottle of Coca-Cola while editing the Tiananmen Square Wikipedia page? Yes, Chairman Mao, but the people of Hong Kong are very angry. They're burning everything. But last time I checked the surveillance cameras in Hong Kong, they were very happy. Ah, uh, well, that appears to be their issue, Chairman Mao. They don't like the surveillance cameras. But there aren't even surveillance cameras in the male bathrooms. Well, with respect, Chairman Mao, it's not the surveillance that they're worried about. It's that the people of Hong Kong want to listen to their favorite radio show, Talking Dressage with Harry Ravel Lee. But the radio signal is getting interfered with by the surveillance cameras. Well, I'm sorry. Surveillance is simply not an option. A great, noble, fearless leader, Chairman Mao, my lover and friend, may I suggest just one thing? Yes, disgraced former Australian Senator Sam Dastyari. Why don't we simply pretend to be this Harry Lee fellow, project ourselves over the speakers that are secretly planted in every Chinese person's eardrums, and convince Hong Kong that we are in fact the radio show Talking Dressage with Harry Ravel Lee? You think the people of Hong Kong are stupid enough to fall for it? Well, they're stupid enough to want uh, human rights and democracy. Okay, well I'll press this button and we'll see how it goes. Good evening, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm joined in this studio by none other than Lucy McCaffrey. You got under here as well. This is a, this is an Oasis instrumental. Oh, okay. um, sorry, no, it's uh, <laughs> the in-house band at the Canada Band. Thanks for playing Thanks tonight. Go on, get out of here. It's Go led by a, a bald guy with glasses and yep. a thick New York accent, and he's yep. leading the band. and He's doing an absolutely fantastic job. The, the, the show has, of course, a new intro because it is, of course, new has grid. a new name. Whoa. Has a new name. Hang on, what? What? I, th I thought the, the whole of Brisbane was buzzing <laughs> with this. Dare. What? I've been getting angry name? emails from people who don't like changes uh -huh. um, all day today. They're saying, why have you changed the name? And it's and, and they're accusing me of changing it merely because as some sort of like gimmick to set, to make to make you know my show relevant again. But they're comparing it to like when New Coke came out in the eighties. Mm. And um, they had uh, Bill Cosby, this massive um, advertising campaign with Bill Cosby. Right. And um, as soon as I got these emails in saying, oh, you're just changing the name to you know, be more relevant, straight on the phone to Bill saying, sorry, mate, the, the campaign's over. Um, they seen right through it. So, um, <laughs> Let me guess. The name is Wait, different, though. Is it decanter of banter and you've dropped the A? That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, no, as, I was thinking that that was where you were going. So like Malibu Stacey with a new <laughs> <Yeah>. hat. <laughs> no, no, I do have a new hat. So it's, I had to change the name of the show. It's called Talking Dressage. Whoa. Yeah, it's called Talking, Talking Dressage with Harry Valley. Whoa. And um, we're off to a very bad study because we haven't even mentioned the D word at all. But a lot of people, they're saying, oh, Harry, you're actually going to talk about dressage the whole time. And I'm saying, well, it is a bit of a challenge to talk about dressage for a whole hour. But... The unfortunate reality is uh, that is what we're going to be doing. Um. Why did you change your name from a decanter of banter to talking dressage with Harry Ravelli? Well, quite simply, I think that the word banter has become a euphemism for relentlessly cyberbullying the youngest man in your um, cooking <laughs> team. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I, it's just like, yeah. there's just, it's, it's exactly it. You know, I don't say this very often, but it's just such a white word. Mm. And I'm sick of being identifying as white. Okay. Um, as the great Will Smith once said, I don't want to be known in history as a man called Will Smith. I want to be known <laughs> as an idea called Will Smith. And that's what I'm saying tonight. By changing the show name to Talking Dressage, I will become known as the idea Where of Harry Where did this Rebelli. come from? Where and did it come from? Are you from? interested in equestrian? Uh, do you remember the 2000 Olympics? Of course, I was five. Yes, and I was uh, and I was seven. <laughs> and now I lived in Sydney at the time. It was a big event Whoa. in Sydney. Massive event. Um, so massive, my, my parents were just, were just shocked that it was on. That they're actually a little bit slow to buy tickets to the events. Right. And so they said, what's left over? <laughs> um, okay. we, we saw ping pong, fencing, kayaking. Yeah. Oh, I've got to tell you, kayaking, that sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and there were only a couple tickets left to see equestrians. So I took my sister. Mm. I've just had a chip on my shoulder about that ever since, that she got to see one more um, Olympic event than I did. Right. So you decided to create a radio yeah. show and name it after that experience. Absolutely. It's it's about therapy. And <laughs> as they say, the Olympics aren't on in your home city every year. You're so right. Yeah. Maybe fact, every four years. You're lucky to even have them in your home city every four years. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be very lucky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, as I said, I'm over it. I'm not angry anymore. Uh, interview in three, two... Our next guest on Talking Dressage with Harry Ravel Lee is a three-time eligible applicant for the ARIA Awards and a one-time Logies Awards viewer. It is, of course, Roland Ting's Let's Talk Dressage. <laughs> well, how are you going? Very well indeed. It's a very exciting time to be Roland Ting's uh, with the new album Salt um, out. Salt water. Salt water. Describe your music in one colour. Hmm. Blue. I disagree. All right, I'm going to ask the big tough questions now. This is the part where if, you, if you're one of those celebrities who throw tantrums, you're going to throw um, your bagel at me. And just, sorry, by the way, the toilets are just down the hall and the first door mm. on your right. Um, you, you affiliate with Sony Music now. Do you think that Roland Tings has sold out? Uh... Yeah, I, I think it's always been my goal to be a gigantic sellout and, and get extremely rich. So yes, yeah. Now, now I'm a multi-millionaire with my um, one album deal with Sony. I think yeah, no, it's interesting. So, Sony really came through and, and gave me a really great deal, and they've been really awesome to work with. And, and I think and they're doing the same thing for a lot of like independent, like smaller Australian artists, just like signing them to these like small deals where they give you some money and there's not like a huge obligation and I, I've been presented with other deals in you know classic rock and roll deals with major labels where it's like six albums I don't think Roland Tings is going to be around for six albums man like that's quite a lot and and, and to clarify I, I don't have millions of dollars now from Sony unfortunately you've got trillions of dollars Exactly. <laughs> well, well, well. That's that's good to hear because you know people sell out and they put commercialization before art. You know, it's just disgusting, just disgusting. Unlike Heinz tin spaghetti, which is nutritious, <laughs> delicious, and an excellent lunchbox option, fifty cents off this week at all good Woolworth supermarkets. Now, speaking speaking of selling out, you you, you mentioned dis quite disappointingly um, before that you weren't a millionaire yet. What if I could tell you? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not about to launch into a Bitcoin spiel here. What if I could tell you, if God came down in his little cloud and he gave the option of being a millionaire, but you had to share a bunk bed with Steve Aoki for the rest of your life, and every morning he'd wake up and he'd say, Are you ready, Roland? And he'd throw a wedding cake at you and an inflatable raft. Um, would you do it? Would he? Is he in the inflate? Like, am I in the bottom bunk and he's in an inflatable raft on the floor? I don't know. Like Steve, Steve Oak, he gets a bad rap, but um, he used to be into like hardcore and stuff. I reckon he's like he's like a pretty like punk guy, like at the core of it. Just man, I think like a wedding cake in the face every morning, not great. But I reckon Steve and I could probably like get along and just you know, haven't have a big intervention with all his friends and family about the whole wedding cake thing i, I, I exactly. <laughs> it's my honest belief that steve aoki and i'll throw confidence man in here as well that their um social experiments conducted by the cuban government just to see if we can people can just do ridiculous things on stage with music just playing in the background and that people um enjoy it and digest it yeah i think i think you might be right about that man i'm thinking about maybe incorporating some of that into my my upcoming show. You can one-up Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki in the wedding cake and then that gets thrown at the crowd. Mm, exactly, man. That's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Outside the box, inside the cake, thinking. Now, a lot of um, musical artists, they have a stage name, but it's not necessarily their real name. For example, Lady Gaga is actually Stephanie Angelina Germanotta and uh, Kylie mm. Minogue is actually Sheikh Wakim Habzadallah III. But mm-hmm. funny with you, Roland Tings is your actual name. Yeah, my my when I came out of the womb, my mother said that's Roland Tings, and that was it. Uh, sorry, I have a I have a question here from uh, I got two questions here from some of our listeners. They've written in with a couple of questions. The first one comes from Mikey, who's a uh, he's a ten year old boy from Green Slopes. Mm-hmm. G'day, Mikey. Um, G'day, Mikey. Uh, Mikey asks, would you have sex to your own music or is it not filthy enough? Jeez, uh, <laughs> Mikey, I, I think we might need to call the Department of Community Services on Mikey's parents. I think Mikey's got a few uh, issues. I'd probably make some custom, custom sex music. I probably wouldn't have sex to any of the previously released tunes. I'd make some exclusive um, new sex music. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've read a lot, but um, yeah, it's more theoretical know. than practical knowledge on my, on my half there. <laughs> Is there a profound message in Saltwater, other than the subliminal messages to, to buy so many music products when you listen to... Um, <laughs> when you listen to the record backwards, <laughs> is is there a point that you're trying to make? Because, uh, or is it is this uh, is is at the essence of saltwater? Is it is it escapism and and uh, the, more about the environment in which you enjoy it? For me, like I, I don't know if this if this really translates across, but it, making the record for me was about finding finding out all of these things like um, the structures that you've adhered to without really considering very well the things that you think you believe that you haven't really like interrogated very well for instance like when i before i started making the record and before i moved away and and got into this headspace where i was able to make the record i had a studio in this like grungy warehouse in melbourne and i lived on a really busy road in like a falling down um share house you know this is what i'm this is what i do you know i live in the inner city and I need to have a studio so I can be a cool artist. And these are all of the things that you do. You go to these parties and you behave in these certain ways and you you become friends with these people and you do all this stuff. And then 
there sort of like came this point where I was like, wait, is that really like, do I really believe any of that stuff? Like, is that really what I'm actually about? And then, you Did know, you... this connection with the ocean sort of enabled me to kind of like actually work out, you know, like I don't believe in any of these things and, and the things that I thought I needed, like having a studio and stuff like that, you know, if I did, if I can find a way to you know, like, step outside of that and, like, think about things that I really believe and that really, like, serve me, you know, maybe I can... Maybe I will feel better. Maybe I, maybe my life will be better for me. And then that's what enabled me to get into this headspace to make the record. So it's a pretty long-winded answer. Mr. Um, Mr. Tings, yeah. it's sounding a lot like you've read a whole suite of Mark Manson's self-help books. There's a lot of... <laughs> he, he, always, he always says, you know, you don't want to define yourself. You know, you don't want to sit here and say, I, uh, I am Roland Tings, you know, the artist, because then you, you behave. You restrict yourself to behaving as only an artist behaves. You know, uh, I do disagree with Mark Manson a little bit in the sense that if I, if I say, I am Harry, rich, successful, and athletic, you know, I, I do want to stay those things. Sorry, Roland, just a minute. No, sorry, no. No, you can't go in there. Toilets are for full-time staff only. No, it doesn't matter how badly you need to go. You can't use the toilets for full-time staff only. There, there is uh, Hungry Jacks on Queen Street. Only two Ks. Okay, thanks. Sorry, Roland. It was just one of the interns needing to go to the bathroom. Yeah, no, you can't have them. <laughs> I tell them every day. Um, yeah. Interns are so so cheeky. Um, let's get to the nitty gritty now, Mr. Tings. You're playing a show on the 13th of December, just around the corner. Um, and it's at the Foundry in Brisbane. That's great. The, the, the Foundry is actually, um, they knocked down an, an old orphanage last year and um, they put the orphans out in the street and they built the Foundry there. And, um, right. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite sad. So, actually. Uh, <laughs> not quite, not very ethical to play there. <laughs> no, no, it's an old building. But I, I, I've but lately, um, I'm sure it's very similar in Melbourne. There, you know, there are a lot of new apartment blocks sort of going up around Brisbane. And there's a little social experiment you can do if you got if you got time. If you're walking down the street with someone and you see a new building, just stop and go. You know what used to be here, an <laughs> orphanage for Indigenous Australians, and they knocked it down and they put up this apartment block. Look how ugly it is. And invariably, the person next to you go, you know what? I can't believe it. We have to do something about this. What's the, what's the outcome of this social experiment? Yeah. Well, the social experiment is you can just tell someone really anything that controversial, even if it hasn't happened, and, and they get stirred to, to take action. To take action. Yep, that's true. And then, and then they do take action, and, <laughs> um, and they launch a gigantic protest, and they look foolish because it was a lie. Yes. Oh, you're implying that climate change is a lie. Sorry, that's all we've got time for. Rolling things, declaring <laughs> climate change a lie. Thanks for joining. I always try and make it as much like the, uh, an extremely dark nightclub as possible. So, you all know, right. my brief for the lighting guy is always like, just turn off every single light, turn off the street lights outside, mm -hmm. and then just like flick on the strobe, put on the strobe machine, and that's all we need, really. And so, wheel in some pokies and take away the clocks. <laughs> have you have you played revs before uh yeah yeah i've played at revs it was um i think my set time was 3 a.m sometimes i get up at 3 a.m you know like yeah. well there's the rock and roll test if you if, if you got up for the 3 a.m set you're not rock and roll if you stayed up congratulations you rock and roll here's a new deal <laughs> 
and uh, and a slash solo on the next record. <laughs> and he is playing at the Foundry next Friday okay. on the thirteenth. You, okay. you should come with me. We can have we can continue this conversation there. Thanks, Harry. Or, or we can continue it right now. So um, okay. <laughs> I had this thing um, where if anyone calls me, I just I, on autopilot I just say I don't give the charities. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, if someone does call from a charity. It's, it's the, I've actually finessed the line so much now that when someone calls, I say, oh, I hope this is a charity wanting money. Say, because I'm I really, 18, No, sorry. I really love saying this line. No, okay. that's a good one. We'll workshop that I've one. I've called that. It's just not quite creative times. enough. Yeah. This, this one's my favourite one. You just say you, you're from a charity. We're acting now. You, okay, you, you're role playing. Right, hello, Harrison. This is Lucy from a charity. Oh, hi. Hello. How are you? Really well, thank you. Sorry, where are you from? Um, this really groovy charity that I was hoping that you would gift us a donation with oh, a direct oh, debit oh, every month. Oh, if sorry, that was possible. So, sorry, Lucinda. Thank you for calling. But it's actually my uncle's birthday party right now, and he's a, <laughs> and and he's about to blow out the candles. He's about to blow out the candles. Oh, no, happy, no, sorry, I, I really have to go. Happy, that, um, sorry, Lucy. Happy, <laughs> you know. Um, it, it's, yeah, that's not this yeah. It's not like, like the most understandable excuse. The, <laughs> keep yelling over them. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Probably, probably, probably the, the next best is is just going. Oh hi! Actually, I'm really interested. That sounds really. Oh, <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. I've just been in an accident. I've just been in an accident. <laughs> You'd have to make a really <laughs> aggressive noise, though. Yeah, you probably have to do more than a clap. But just something, something that's like completely understandable. I've yeah. also been workshopping how to like how to split with a girl after like you know. Okay. Three because uh, yeah. Well, so how did your date go tonight? Oh, really well. I mean, if you didn't like the movie, but you liked the company. I did, yeah, the company made up for it, and also what number is more this? than anything the vegan popcorn made yeah. up for it. Now this was number two. Woo! And I, I don't want two. this to be like a really ominous um you know thing to follow on with. No, but no. I I, I I do recall workshopping. Um, how to? Because I think after two you can kind of ghost. Did you tell her they're that in, you have in, a radio show that ethic. you'll probably go and? Cons- yeah, actually, that's a good point. I did do that. She yeah. said she could be listening to you. Yeah, that's true. No, but as I said, this is not a follow on from that point. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but workshopping how how to? I think after two dates you can ghost. I yeah. think that's the, the new ethical um, uh, boundary of, of today. But okay. uh, in terms of like splitting with someone after like three or four. You need to make. You need to say something, okay? And this is the perfect thing to say. Like when, it, when like when the charity calls ring up, yep. you simply say, um, "You know, I'm still struggling to move on from my last partner." Or uh, even better, you say, "Like, it, would it, you have spoken about the last partner already?" Uh, no, even if you have never had one before, <laughs> yeah. it's just like completely understandable. Like, everyone, yeah. everyone's sort of been there. Before. Oh, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's like, you know, you were really awesome, but I'm just struggling to. Yeah, like, yeah. And, okay. a, and, and and the best part of that is because yeah. you you don't want to hurt anyone in no. this life, and by saying something as pathetic as you know, I'm just really struggling to move on from my ex partner, mm-hmm. like the person doesn't like you anymore. Like they'll be like, yeah, actually, that guy's pathetic. Yeah, I don't even miss him at all. And so they won't be like ringing you like two in the morning for like, the next three weeks, going, why? <laughs> Was it because I sharded during that date? And like, no, I had nothing to do with the shard. No, promise me. Like, I wasn't even ghost at all. It was it had nothing to do with the shard. It was I'm struggling to get over my ex partner, and then they go, oh, that's right, you're pathetic. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and then and then straight to the strippers. Has on that the weekend. worked you before? Uh, I've used that one before. Mm. Um, and yeah, Sharon Lee messaged me once after that, saying, oh, I think I left earrings at at, at, at yours. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she had. Didn't look though. Um, but. <laughs> So I think that's why it worked so well. I think she was like, yeah, that's path- what a pathetic excuse. Mm. Yeah, it okay. is pathetic. Yeah, it's yeah. fair. But I don't know what else would be a good excuse. 
At least no. he said something rather than nothing. In this life, you don't want to hurt anyone. No. Everyone wants to go like when when you're when you're in the coffin, getting lowered into your grave. <laughs> I know. You, you want to think you want to think to yourself, you know, the world's a better place for me having existed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't want to leave a trail of hurt, you know, people. But sometimes, um, does this song have words? We could probably just talk over it. Let's talk over it. Yeah, I mean, let's just talk over it. <laughs> You can't enjoy it. It's not like when you go to a Broncos. No, like when you go to a, 20, a, 20, a, a Big Bash there's game. A, there's a Fat Boy Slim yeah. bit coming in soon. And the ball was... The ball was... <laughs> the ball was coming in his ball and it's, it's batted away for four runs. Um, yeah. yeah, so I went to this cafe uh, a year, as of this weekend. Oh, the, the ball is coming in. He's bowling again. And it struck wide for two runs. Yep. Um, uh, welcome to the Big Bash League. No, uh, so... Uh, Nodo, have you heard of it? No, I don't. In Newstead. Mm-hmm. This weekend will mark the one-year anniversary of my three visits to Nodo Newstead. My first, <laughs> my last, and my only. Like a mid-afternoon shadow, the memory of this experience stalks me, interrupting lovemaking and making it hard for me to hold down a proper job. One might say what happened that day wasn't entirely the fault of Nodo Newstead, to which I would reply, Come out here and fight me in the street! because I get aggressive when people disagree with me. I had arranged to have brunch with a friend. We'll call him Michael because quite simply that was his real name. <laughs> Two things became very much apparent about Michael that morning. One, Michael was not one to cancel a brunch. And two, Michael had diarrhea. We greeted a waitress who took our order with the customer service finesse of one of those budget European airlines where you have to pay to use the oxygen masks. <laughs> Michael got one of those healthy smoothies, but said he would only that, but but said that he would not be eating, on account of his diarrhea. I ordered a pulled pork burger. Michael then popped off for his first of four visits to the loo. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I must commend Nodo for is its vast array of seating. If you don't get a seat at Nodo Newstead, you didn't bring your bum. Downstairs, upstairs, outside, as the famous lyric from Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Seal, you'd need a golden calculator to divide the number of seats at Nodo Newstead. Yet, for all its seats, there was only one toilet. One unisex disabled toilet. Even sons and outgoing diarrhea sufferer like Michael, coffee is a known diuretic and therefore there should be more toilets. Michael was in there a while, and a line began to snake down the perimeter of the cafe, portraying a time-lapse of a descent into adult anxiety. The lady at the front was hopping about in some experimental effort to prevent soiling herself in a trendy cafe. I'm sure it's perfectly acceptable to soil oneself in a sandwich bar in Bracken Ridge, but this is Newstead. (laughs) No-do Newstead. All the while, I awaited my pulled pork burger. Thankfully, or otherwise, it arrived during Michael's third toilet break. Mm. I began eating at a leisurely pace. The bun was on the stale side. The pulled pork was lukewarm. I'd say it was nothing to write home about, but I didn't write home about losing my virginity, and that was awesome. So perhaps writing home or not isn't a proper yardstick for whether something's good or not. Finally, Michael re-emerged to the relief of a newly assembled queue of anxious, overhydrated patrons. Burger looks good, he said. I guess it did. Mind if I have a bite, he said. I guess what happened hereafter was what a first-year law student would refer to as a break in the chain of Nodo's causation. 
unaware that I had been keeping my distance from Michael as if he were a leper Kevin Spacey, a presumptuous smile lingered on Michael's face. In a perfect world, I would have said no. Mike would have cancelled if he had diarrhoea. No, they would have had a toilet block. My pulled, per- my pulled pork burger wouldn't have taken so damn long. But this is not a perfect world. So, I reshuffled my grip on the burger and offered it forth for Michael to bite into. However, he took the liberty of grabbing it with both hands. We touched. His hands were wet and warm, like... That that part's redacted. Um, At least he had washed them, but his hands were so wet that the bun was now soggy. I retrieved my burger from his grip the way one retrieves a cell phone from a washing machine. A hopeless but animalistic sense of ownership. That's revolting, was all I could muster as I lay the burger down in its final resting place. I waited outside as Michael used the sole toilet for the fourth time while getting sunburnt. I never went back to Nodo Newstead and I never ate brunch with Michael again. Because I, I, I had an uh, uh, auntie who mm-hmm. went to Japan for a little while. And I said, you know, when she got back, I said, Auntie, how was um, Japan? I said, was great for the first week. And then I got sick of eating fish for every damn meal. True. Very you know, true. And fair point. Fair play to my auntie. You would get sick of eating fish for every damn meal. And you'd get sick of turning purple from the mercury poisoning. There you go. Uh, are you a big Google reviewer? Uh, that, that was my second ever. My first one was when I went to an Indian takeaway place. And the guy said, can you Google review? I said, sure can. And I, in front of him, I typed <laughs> out, this is the best damn Indian in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and for only $10, I should be charged with shoplifting as soon as I walk out of this place. He <laughs> chuckled. And then he said, all right, I'll serve you up. And he just piled on the curry on my uh, little yeah. takeaway plate. So as that's if, a good yeah, hint. As if he was trying to, you know, funnel water out of a sinking dinghy. Uh, he was just shoveling this stuff in. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but, so Google Review can pay off. Yeah. I reckon you should go to the BP at Tugan okay. and write a Google review on that. I'd be uh, interested to read what it was. Uh, why BP Tugan? <laughs> Have you had a particular bad brunch experience No, there? I've had a good experience there. It's at one of BP the best Chugan. BPs. What, what separates a good BP from an, an, a run-of-the-mill BP? the only BP that is good. Okay. Uh, just the array of things that you could buy there. And right. also, the coffee. People go to the coffee at the BP rather than going to, like, a niche cafe that, you know... Now, that's looks, curious. Um, like a barista from Melbourne would have made the coffee. Like Nodo Newstead. Yeah, exactly. Well, so if you, Nodo Newstead was sitting next to the BP... The locals would go to the BP. Well, I certainly would. No. There, there are just there is a lot of seats. It's got a quite a high capacity for people. One toilet. So you, yeah, you're, that's you're actually, rich. They say life's a gamble, but you that's really a gamble. You're, you're gambling that no one's going to show up with diarrhea exactly. and and, ma- and and cause a queue to form. Is it um, a donut? House always wins. And it's been a pleasure to talk to Sasha. It's you great today. to talk on the first show. Uh, I was in an Uber the other day, and there was a there was a fella uh, in the in the driver's seat. Um, he mentioned that he. Uh, had a friend uh, who was uh, uh, you know a single lady and she w- was on eHarmony which is that dating website which is a, a very easy way of spotting who is over 35 and single um, and she was on eHarmony and she met an, an, an Italian Australian bloke in Brisbane um, called uh, Gian, Gianluigi or something like that and um, basically he was you know, a bit much, you know, when he's, he was walking up to first dates with bouquets of flowers and they go, oh, that's really sweet. It's a bit odd, but, you know, I guess, you know, some people do things a bit differently. Um, 
and what's the difference between getting flowers on you know a twentieth date as opposed to a first date? Maybe Gianluigi is really sweet. Um, as you'll see at the end of the story, Gianluigi wasn't so sweet and was actually um, better described as completely butt naked. But I don't want to give the ending away too easily. Um, and so Gianluigi, they go on this date. She was like, oh, after one date, she wasn't, oh, I'm not really sure how I feel about Gianluigi. I'll go to another one. Just so everyone, everyone deserves a second date, you know, a second chance. As well. Jesus gave everyone a second date when he matched with them on Bumble. And uh, Gianluigi paid for a dinner, brought flowers again, a bit much. And she was like, okay, maybe this, he, he, he's a bit much. And so she was like, you know, I'm just going to go home, um, Gianluigi. Thanks for the wonderful date. And she was waiting at the front and... Eventually, um, she was having some trouble getting her Uber. Uh, Gianluigi drove past again. He said, look, is everything all right? Do you want, do you want to get a lift home with me, um, Gianluigi? Um, and she said, you know what, bugger it. What's the harm? Gianluigi, I'm coming with you, mate. As you'll find out towards the end of the story, and I don't want to give too much away, but um, that was not really a double entendre in the sense of coming with uh, Gianluigi. Um, she... Uh, and I don't want to give too much away. So Gianluigi is in the car. He says, look, why don't you just come back to my place? We'll have a coffee. And she says, well, I like coffee. Gianluigi seems like a relatively nice guy. What's the difference between, you know, bringing flowers to a first date on a on a, on a 20th date and 21st date as opposed to a first and second date? So, you know, what's the harm? In, and what's the harm in, you know, drinking a bit of coffee? Uh, what's the difference between drinking a coffee at a cafe and drinking a coffee at Gianluigi's place at, you know, uh, 11 p.m. at night? And so, she said, Gianluigi, you got a deal. I'll go and have a coffee and then I'll I'll catch the Uber or taxi from, from your place. That's a good idea, actually. Um, and, and I don't want to give too much away um, about the ending, but it wasn't a good idea. And so she goes back to Gianluigi's place, and eventually Gianluigi, he's putting on a bit of a Barry Manilow record. He's setting the scene. He's dimming the lights. I think she's still waiting on her coffee. And eventually he says, you know, I'm just going to go to the bathroom, Gianluigi. You don't mind if I just use the bathroom. And Gianluigi says, I have absolutely zero concerns about you using the bathroom. And... I don't want to give too much away about the ending, but um, this particular woman um, in, Gian, in Gian, Gianluigi's house should have had a lot of concerns about using Gianluigi's bathroom. And basically, she goes in there, does her thing. I don't want to go into the details. Um, in fact, I can't really go into them because he sort of skipped over the details there, um, which is a bit suspicious why he'd leave out what exactly happened when she went to the bathroom whether it was a number one or a two and so we'll assume the worst that's the theatrical technique and then she um and then she came out um you know to sort of tell Gianluigi you know I'm not really feeling this I might just go home called the uber slash taxi now but what she was greeted with was a stark butt naked Gianluigi just standing there um Gianluigi if you're listening it he's caught somewhere between legend and pervert and and because he's quite simply done the naked man, and the naked man is quite a, a mystical, it's a high risk, high reward sort of play in the dating game. Um, for those of you who are single out there, um, I don't recommend you try this anywhere but home. And she quite promptly left, and so that was the the high risk about the naked man play by Gianluigi. It didn't really sound like it was going to work out anyway, and so it was probably more correctly described as a hail mary sort of play, you know. But didn't particularly work out for Gianluigi. But nonetheless, this particular lady is having brunch, you know, Sex in the City sort of style. There's a ginger friend. There's um, a 40-something-year-old blonde friend who, you know, um, uh, is in denial about not wanting kids. And and she's telling this story. And and she's saying, you know, this Gianluigi guy, two dates, flowers both times. 
I go to the bathroom, come out, he's completely butt naked. And this is the nature of the high-risk, high-reward play. And if you're sitting at home going, John Luigi, that's inappropriate, that's borderline, um, and by borderline we mean that's actually um, sexual harassment or assault or something like that. Um, this is where things get a little bit funny because one of those friends said, John Luigi, I know that man. And we went on a few dates and um, on the, the first or second, he did exactly that. I used the bathroom, I came out and he was butt naked and I slept with him. I slept with John Luigi a few times and then he stopped calling me back. And so basically what had happened is John Luigi had tried this at least once before with great success. And in fact, it was he who ended up rejecting the other woman who happened to be a friend of another woman who found John Luigi on eHarmony and became... Uh, a victim of the naked man as to uh, as opposed to a um, you know a grateful recipient of the naked man as you know what, what her friend was and so that's the nature of the high risk high reward play the naked man and as i said do not try this anywhere but home and only at home when there's no one else at home um i i, I think there's a a big metaphor in the story but i actually don't think there is i think that's just simply it isn't it if, if you're on e-harmony and you come across a gian luigi expect nudity um at surprising times a lot of people they use relaxing sounds to get to sleep for example um when they go to sleep they put on a bit of um, sleepy bedtime music and then it comes up in their spotify end of year list is their most played songs and um you know they're, they're a bit embarrassed because it's not tones and eyes dance monkey and they get chastised by their friends and they, bec- they live a life of lonely loneliness. Some people use actually whale noises to fall asleep. They, um, the, the sound of whales communicating to each other, like, if you're, if you're not familiar with the sound of whales, the, the whale cries, it, it, it is quite relaxing and beautiful, but no one ever turned their mind to what the whales are actually saying. You know, there's no one there to translate the meaning of what they're saying. And so, you might be sitting there in your bed, the lights dimmed, drifting away to sleep and having happy bedtime dreams um, while listening to the sound of whales, you know, yelling at each other, I'm so effing horny! Or, Mom, stop being a bitch! But in whale noises. And that's why you should always consult a whale sound expert before embarking that. Um, that because there, I heard there was a gorilla who I think is actually deceased now. It befriended Robin Williams for, for um, that's a strange bit of a strange friendship, but yeah, it, it, it was quite well acquainted with um, Robin Williams. And they actually taught the gorilla sign language and the gorilla was able to communicate. Probably for the first time ever, um, a, a, an, a, an ape, you know, a gorilla, was able to communicate actual defined messages to humans. And so they spent years and years perfecting uh, gorilla sign language so that this animal could communicate and give the secrets of the animal kingdom to us mere mortal humans. And after years of uh, training the gorilla, um, the gorilla was in a position to um, communicate and the cameramen were there from all over the world and they sat down and they said, please, Tell us something, noble gorilla. And the gorilla put out quite a long sign language speech about how it and quite a lot of other gorillas agreed and endorsed um, Trump's policies on immigration 
and they said things about you know women should not shouldn't be allowed in the workforce and things like that and um it actually turned out that gorillas are really really offensive and um i don't think they're going to teach than to speak sign, ling- sign language anymore. The gorilla um, denied climate change. I, I hear that the, 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 the trial of Julian Assange is going to be heard at the same time as uh, Trump's impeachment. And the lawyer for the both of them, it's actually been leaked in the media what the defence is. So the defence speech goes a little bit like, He didn't do nothing! He didn't do nothing! Um, but... Yeah, fantastic time of the year. We had uh, you'll be getting a lot of Secret Santa sort of um, requests over this period, and you're going to have to there'll be varying budgets. And uh, I say anything. So, for example, you're going to get on the markets. Twenty dollars gets you one point five liters of raw honey. And you uh, think about it for at least ninety seconds. Like I'm putting on some music. Just think about it for ninety seconds, and I think you'll realize that honey is the perfect. Secret Santa gift. It doesn't expire for a start. You can re-gift at any point in the next like 75 years. It's nutritious. Um, you can put it on your... Ra- if you have a rash, you can put honey on your rash and it disappears within months. Um, I'm not sure if the honey has anything to do with it or if the, the rash just naturally heals itself while you have honey on your skin. But all I can say is better than throwing it out. Better than throwing it out. Um, and so honey, sweet, delicious, nutritious, and doesn't expire, find me a better Christmas gift. And especially in this time when there's so much waste and uh, there's so much, you know, people buy things. And For example, I was involved in a, a, a secret sound, not just today. And what did I get? But socks um, of the Marvel brand. You know, I don't even read comics. And I actually, I reckon I've openly said, probably in front of this person at least seven times, yeah, I don't really get around like um, superhero sort of movies or anything like that. And, and now I have not only a pair of socks but a value pack of socks I have three pairs not only do they have a pattern I suppose there is a bit of value in the sense that there's a comic strip on the sock so it's not only a sock but also reading material like very light reading material um, for like uh, a tram trip in inner city Melbourne you just gotta go to the end of the street hop in a tram take off your shoe read your sock put the shoe back on off the tram that would be a nice way to kill time uh, if you're familiar with leprosy that you'll be aware that you got put on a little boat and pushed out to an island in, in Moreton Bay called Peel Island. Um, it's what we used to do with the lepers. Uh, does anyone still have leprosy? And if you do, just send a text in um, because I do have these socks to give away. I got these awful socks in Secret Santa, which I would like to give away. So if you have leprosy, if it's anything I need to help. Um, do they, is that still th- something that suffered? Because I know we used to put them on an island. The lepers were sent to an island called Peel Island in Moreton Bay. And I'm not sure if that was like a solution or if it was just sort of like um, out of mind, out of sight. And so what we used to do, we put the lepers on a boat and we just sort of push them out and we say, I mean, hope you find a cure one day. And, you know, maybe that cure is on Peel Island. Maybe people thought they were doing a good deed. You know, um, great natural medicines on Peel Island. You'll figure it out. And we're going to go to the Winchester mate, with this whole thing to blow over. And, um... And it got me thinking, you know, we don't do this whole leper colony on the island thing anymore, but what if we put the social lepers out there? You know, you're at a party and someone, and there are lots of people around you. Yeah, the music's pumping and um, the beats are banging, the drinks, you know, the drinks are hot and the girls are cold. And all of a sudden someone comes up to you and starts talking about Bitcoin. And you go, 
listen, mate, you know, we don't want to talk about Bitcoin right now. We're, you know, we're at a party, trying to have a good time. And so we you just sort of say, look, mate, you're a social leper. And what we're going to do, we're going to put you on this little boat and we're going to just push you out to, to an island um, in Moreton Bay for social lepers. You're going to love it. Everyone listens to Triple M there and it's and it's great. And you can talk about all the Bitcoin and uh, property development you want to talk about there on the social leper colony. And you'll figure it out. Mark Zuckerberg updating his profile picture for the first time in years. And the, the wonderful thing about what when Mark Zuckerberg does anything on Facebook, there are legions of quite obscure people from all around the world who will comment on that picture as if he were a friend. For example... Um, Great T-shirt. Nice. Like, who actually sees Mark Zuckerberg update his profile picture and then you comment, nice, exclamation mark. Um, but I guess some people are, nice, exclamation mark. And so thank you for, for posting. Um, and then we got Babesh Behara who says, great sir, love heart, sm- uh, smiley emoji. This is the reason why you are so humble and great leader. You always think about everyone. And also, you have given this child to a, a memorable childhood with memories. When one day he will grow old, he will feel proud. You have made his future secure and remarkable. Love you, Sir Jai. And then he has a selfie of himself with a moustache. We've got another one from Uwain Akbar. He's got a lovely selfie. They're showing a lot of teeth, actually. It's quite... um. Actually a bit intimidating. Thank you, Mark. You have helped me to be able to meet with friends who have not met for a long time. Always healthy, bro. Uh, I like that little sign-off there. I think more newsreaders should say that sort of thing, you know. Always healthy, bro. Anyway, that's all Brisbane tonight. Always healthy, bro. So this person must really like Facebook because they've commented on Mark Zuckerberg's profile picture saying, The best love is the kind that awakens the soul, that makes us reach for more that plants the fire in our hearts and brings peace to our minds. That's what I hope to give to you forever. And I think you means Mark Zuckerberg. So I think Upenda Sahu, um, well, it's good. I mean, the first thing you have to do is find someone to love, and then the second stage is making them love you. And it's nice that um, Upenda, um, a.k.a. Mr. Sahu, has at least completed part one, which is finding the person to love. Obviously loves Mark Zuckerberg. This person must be a bit of an investor. Looking good. Please work hard to increase the stock value. We will appreciate the effort. You do know Apple stock is skyrocketing. See, yeah, and and look, capitalism obviously has its detractors, and I think that's what gives it a bad rap. You got people here saying, you know, you know, this is what the meaning of love is. You've got people saying, thanks for inventing this wonderful thing. People saying, Merry Christmas, I love you. You've reconnected me with my friends. And then you've got a bloke called Elias Teferi, who seems to have his corporate um, profile picture as his Facebook profile. He's, I reckon this, this is, there is a type of person out there who has the same picture on both their LinkedIn and their Facebook. And I think Elias Teferi falls directly in that bargain bin. And... Here he is saying, of all the things you could possibly say during the Christmas time, looking good, which is just one of those compliments you say to someone before you ask for something. You you go up to a friend you haven't spoken to in seven years. They message them on Facebook. Hey, mate, how are you? Looking good. And before they even had the chance to respond, I'm applying for a job at your office. Can you recommend me? Um, That's what Elias Teferi probably does. Um, Looking good. Please work hard to increase the stock value. Jesus, mate. Now, that's a social leper. Yeah, I had a date. 
Oh my gosh! Don't yeah. you just I took, every I took, time? I took my girl to the, the the cinemas. You know the new ones at Red Hill. Yeah. And the fire alarm goes off. Recently opened. Yeah, recently opened. Had that fresh new cinema smell. Interesting. What did yes. you see? Uh, a film which I'm going to go out and say did not like it very much. What was it? Uh, the Good Liar. Oh no! Because I that came out today, and I really. What's name that old lady who's in that film? Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, and who Ian will go McKellen. down, uh, Ian, and we'll talk about Ian in a minute. But we'll talk about Helen for the time being. Mirren. Who, uh, yeah, Ms. Mirren, she'll we'll refer to her as. <laughs> I'm going to simply refer to her as uh, the oldest hot person. An and attractive sixty-year-old. I'm going to go on record here as as of the fifth of December, 2019. I would have sex with Helen Mirren, and I'm not saying as the oldest person I'd have sex with because if I had the opportunity to have sex with the Queen, I'm not, I'm not that I'm saying that the Queen gets me hot and bothered. Though I do have a portrait delivered to me by my local member of Parliament, and it hangs proudly on my wall. Yes, I've heard about this. Yeah, it's, you just ask for it and you get one, <laughs> and it's free delivery. But what I um, do believe is that if I had the opportunity to have intercourse with the Queen, mm. I simply would just so I could go and tell all my mates, yeah, you know, <laughs> sex with the Queen, and there'd be a lot of people, yeah. and you'd be on all the tabloids, uh-huh. you'd be like, you know, yep. um, you know, so, some crazy head man was caught leaving um, the Buckingham Palace in the wee hours of Sunday morning, um, mm. looking worse for wear and tear, Where, with his shoes in his hand, yeah, and the yep. qu- the Queen's in a nighty at the front door of Buckingham yep. Palace, saying, you know, are you going to call? Yeah, <laughs> and she, she and she promised me she, she she's going to write on my one hundred <laughs> on my one hundredth birthday. She'll yeah. write to me. Oh, um, she will. She always does. She mm, never forgets. Um, but didn't like this particular film. Okay, yeah. Why so not? I understand you are planning on watching it. Yeah, I was but planning on seeing it. I would say I'm that missed. I feel like I'm going to spoil it here with what I'm about to say, but I think the film is that predictable that if I'm not spoiling it for you, you deserve to have it spoiled for you because okay. you should be able to have predicted what's going to happen. Right. Uh, so, of course, it's about a con man, right? Yeah. But then he's he's conning this woman, but then he falls for it. You understand uh, this yeah, much? Yeah, 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 that that yeah. much is, is evident from the blurb and, yep. I guess, the poster. Uh-huh. And, and then um, she's going to have some repercussions of one of his cons or she's going to find out that he is a con oh, man well, and then... Of course, the tables are going to turn, <laughs> aren't they? But I, yeah. I've never seen the tables turn quite so viciously as they did in this film. Okay. And which is which is where my affection for this film ends, because I believe that um, that sort of thing belongs in children's films, where things are so black and white. This person is 100% evil. Yeah. This person is 100% good. And I felt like as an adult who doesn't suffer from an intellectual disability, I was insulted. Right. And, of course, the, the evil person gets an absolute walloping and the good person comes out of the situation better than they've ever been before. Okay. Um, yep. And another question that is... And this is really going to spoil it. But as, as I said before, I have no guilt about this because mm-hmm. it's just simply a bad film. And if I can... Oh, that's you know, so disappointing. Such great actors. Yes, and such hot actress um, for an <laughs> old person. Do you agree? Well, how do you feel about Ian? Yeah. Is Ian like the female no. version of Helen? Is no. a, are they a power couple? No, because simply because I watched, uh, I was made to watch when we studied Macbeth in year 11 or 12, uh-huh. we had to watch the Royal Shakespeare Company production of Macbeth, which Ian McKellen in his young days was a part, like he was Macbeth. Ah, uh, yes. And it just turned me right the off 70s. Ian McKellen. Nude Macbeth. No, it was just, he was sweaty all the time and it was foul. Oh. And he just mumbled. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, hey. Yeah, hello. Hello there. Um, interesting. Yeah, interesting, so I wouldn't go. Wouldn't do that. A little bit like, yeah, how like Tom Cruise met, um, who's that uh, Latino American actress he met on the set of Vanilla Sky? I don't 
But you, you know how these people are, and, and then he found, and then and then he ditched her, and he. Tom Cruise is like a serial whoever he works on a film with, right. he ends up getting with. Okay. Yeah. What about um Cameron Diaz? Yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's been paired with Rebel Day Wilson yet, but um we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but we'll he see. has, he he was paired with. Well, yeah, I thought he did have a bit of a romantic uh, Diaz. connection with Cameron Diaz. Uh, look, I'm sure everyone's... It's, it's Hollywood. It's like the Olympics yeah. every day. They're just condom dispensers on every street corner. Um, but he <laughs> he went... He did a film with Nicole Kidman, Eyes Wide Shut, and then they began to date. That's how yep. that relationship began. Uh-huh. Do you think that's a little bit what, what, what might have happened with Ian and Helen Mirren? Da- Sir Sir Ian McClellan yeah. and Dame Helen Mirren. You know, these are yeah. royalty. Uh-huh. Um yeah, so I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like what they did with Ian in the film. Really? I, I'll, I'll put that out there. I didn't like what, and I, I, I got a feeling he doesn't like it either. Because he was the evil character. I'm gonna just go out and spoil it if you don't mind. Do you, go you, ahead. No, I'm not gonna see it anyway. Yeah, you're clenching I'll... both your fists. You, might, you say, <laughs> go ahead, feel free. I'll see it. Please stop kicking me under the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he gets beaten up so much that he has a stroke. Oh. That's and the sad. final thing you see of him is in a hospital, in a wheelchair, oh. dribbling. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, and then and then Helen Mirren, like with all the money that she got, is like buys some house in the south of England and has a big party, and then the film freaking ends, man. But do you want to hate Ian throughout the movie? Yeah, because it's like it's it's like watching literally The Lion King, and 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 for adults, because Ian's like pure evil and she's like pure good, and I don't like that because mm. that doesn't reflect real life, mm. and what that's, the power of cinema lies in either being purely fantastical or true to life. And I don't like this little halfwayism where you go, we're going to create characters who resemble real people, but no person is actually like this. Yeah. It is an absolute truism, an empirical truism of the world that no one is purely evil and no one is purely good, all right? Mm-hmm. Everyone everyone has a checkered past. You know, even Mandela blew up some stuff when he was a young lad, all right? And another, and if I can make one more remark... Please. About this film. I'm not I, stopping you. Alright, so now I'm really spoiled. Like, Please do it. You've <laughs> but you, it you've read the book anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've already read the book. The book wasn't yeah. as good as the movie. Oh uh, man, they left out the they left out the Hakuna Matata scene. I can't believe it, man. So basically what happens is the plot twist is that he doesn't realise that she God, this Madonna's really getting fired up. Sorry, Madonna, we're just going to have to change you up Chill out in the corner. Yeah, we're going to have to just change that. It turns out that she is actually someone that he encountered when he was 15 years old. Oh. And he... Because they're both old people now. Yeah. Of course. Um, Of course. And um, he actually raped her when he was 15. Really? Yeah, he was giving her English lessons in uh, war-torn Germany. And he he raped this particular character that Dame Dame, uh, Helen Mirren plays. Mm. Um, And... And then so all this is about respite for that particular event. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, and the thing that I won't quite let this film get away with, is that mm. if you uh, are happy with the outcome of the film, then you're essentially inadvertently condoning a, a lower um, age of criminal culpability. Because in Queensland, everyone under the age of 16 is not criminally responsible for anything they actually do. Even if they start a bushfire, even if they murder a family, of course they'll be like juvie and there'll be some sort of rehabilitation for these people. But they're not putting big boy prisons where they, you know, you don't want to drop the soap and they're not, um, uh, and they're not, you know, it doesn't go down their record when they're trying to get a job and things like that. And, and so... This film is like a bit of... It's like revenge for something that a, a person when they were 15. Mm-hmm. And that's quite a challenging mm. uh, idea. Yep. And I'm not going to let this film get away with that. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm encouraging all of you to do is write to your local member of parliament. Okay. Because Fro- I mean, you could do d- it. Just see Frozen 2. It's that simple. Just yeah. see Frozen 2. 
Yeah. Let it go again. Let it go <laughs> again. Anyway, if I can, if I can sum up the last week or so of Facebook, I, I can do it in one one headline story. Man with Nelson Mandela and John Lennon posters in his room shares video on Facebook about wanting Scott Morrison's house to burn down in a bushfire. Uh, marinate on that for a little while. Before I go out in the town, I just get a few $50 notes and I rub them on my neck like a smell of money. Um, um, I'd just like to first um, call on a, a minute's silence for um, slain Iranian military general uh, Qasem Soleimani, who really is just um, the most misunderstood top military general of a bloodthirsty despot leader. Uh, it's, like, it's like you don't know what he's like behind closed doors. You, if you, your, daughter, your daughter might bring Qasem Soleimani to, to dinner and you say, oh, I'm not sure about this guy, sweetheart. I'm not sure about this guy. Uh, look, I know he orders the mass murder of his own people, but he treats me like a princess. Now, I did also hear that at his funeral... 40 people died in a stampede. And that's actually really quite sweet thing uh, for them to do that because Qasem Soleimani really would have loved that. He would have loved to have seen a few more of his people uh, die. If you imagine a world without buskers, just imagine a world without buskers. You're sitting in a pub, Wonderwall comes on the radio, on the stereo, and you say, hmm, I haven't heard this song before. Imagine a world without buskers. That's what it's like, guys. I was reading a book uh, written by an Auschwitz survivor, Viktor Frankl. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Uh, after reading it, I took a pledge that I would never, ever take a sick day at work ever again because it would be an insult. It would be offensive to anyone who survived the Holocaust because in Auschwitz, this particular gentleman, Viktor Frankl, would have to get up every day in the freezing cold, even when he had typhus, in shoes that were too small, his feet would poke out the end of them, and he would do purposeless work. You know how degrading that is to do work and you know it's for no particular good reason, digging holes just so you can fill them in again the next day, and um, covered in lice, and um, they have to de-lice themselves at the end of every day, and, um, and their food for the day, for doing all this stuff, in the freezing cold, one slice of bread. And so when you've got a sniffle, a bit of a cold, oh, I've got a bit, feeling a bit fluey today, um, just imagine you're at Auschwitz, and, and uh, it is, uh, it's, you know what, it's offensive. It's actually offensive um, and politically incorrect to ever, a sick day unless you have something completely degenerative. Any, if any of you have been to uh, the two busiest uh, train stations in Brisbane, uh, arguably um, Roma Street and Central Station, you'll understand that they're both the most butt-ugly places and most unpleasant places you've ever been in your entire days. The, the, here in, say, Brisbane, and I think we can use this as definitely a case study for the whole of Australia, it seems the places we visit the most like the public places we visit the most are like the least attractive spaces and the places we visit the least are the most decadent and and uh decorative and um well designed for example in brisbane let's say you uh, committed a, a crazy act of bravery there's a puppy dog that's got its paw stuck in um a, a railing on the story bridge and and you scale the bridge and you save the puppy and the owner says it wasn't a puppy it's 13 years old and the dog actually dies a couple of days later but you risked your life and and you get a bravery award um from the man he says please come to the awards ceremony at city hall and you go, wow, City Hall, I get to go to the ballroom at City Hall. And you go in, you get your bravery award, and you 
look around and you, t- you soak it all in. What a beautiful room. What a beautiful hall. And and you take photos and you don't go again ever. And yet the, the train station you visit every single day, that space that you are subject to uh, every single morning and afternoon on your way to work in the city is so plain, so smelly, dirty and ordinary. What the Russians knew, at least before the communists took over, they made all their underground subway stations palatial. They were like, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell apart um, a suburban train station from Buckingham Palace. Diamonds encrusted in the ceiling, chandeliers, art deco decorative walls and, and columnades. And so these spaces that people would arrive in at the beginning of their day and that would uh, and how and how they would get home at the end of the day things like that affect literally the mood of your entire existence if you really think about it they put so much effort and thought into and we've just, we've just mixed things up a little bit the, the the space where you go every 10 years to accept a bravery award should be a sh- like a donga in the middle of a sports oval in bloody bracken ridge it should, it should, it should be a demountable classroom